Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name in certified organic clean food. When you shop online at EdenFoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit TheOrganicView.com's website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom and I are going to talk about some major progress that's been made to ban neonicotinoids, as well as a massive beekill in Ontario. First, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald. Good afternoon, Tom. Good afternoon, June, from Colorado. Well, Tom, we've had some major progress that's been made. I'd like to begin by talking about what's going on in North Carolina Apparently, the North Carolina Pesticide Board unanimously approved the creation of a task force to investigate risks of neonicotinoid insecticides to pollinators and aquatic species. And this does not surprise me whatsoever because they do have a $30 million blue crab industry. It's interesting uh, to see whose ox is getting gored and what their response is. We've been losing bees now by the hundreds of thousands of colonies for 10 years or more. And the honey industry represents about $20 billion a year. And now we're beginning to to see some of the secondary species that are being affected, and, and people are beginning to respond. The blue crabs are an example. Well, last year we talked about what was going on on the West Coast with the oyster industry. I know Maryland has been very concerned about their their crab industry. So the aquatic species are definitely under the radar at this point because you're talking about millions of dollars. So now that we're starting to see the effects on other species because it's having a direct monetary impact, people are starting to take a second look at the impact of neonicotinoids. Well, it falls in line with some of the things that we've said repeatedly on this program, and that is that the target species or the ones that are most immediately affected are those species on the lower end of the food chain, the soil organisms, the pollinators, insects of various kinds, uh, aquatic invertebrates, and now we're beginning to see the consequences. I, I don't know if we mentioned it or not, but I received a, an article last week about the, uh, the decline of the bat population, which is tremendous. That's been going on for a number of years, though. Well, it has, and the suspicion at the beginning was that the neonicotinoids were somehow involved in this. And now that we've had a little time to study, it appears that that's exactly what's has happened the uh, the thing that's killing the the bats is the white nose fungus and it appears that the white nose fungus has gotten to epidemic proportions because the bee, the bats immune systems have been compromised and 
You know, that sounds very familiar to what we've been saying about the bees for quite some time. We're beginning to see the ripple effect of these these neonicotinoid chemicals, and I've said many times that this represents the most massive poisoning of the earth in human history, certainly well, for the lower end of the food chain. And this, what's happening with the blue crabs is, is just part of it. In regards to this task force, we've seen the federal task force, and now we're starting to see this at, at the state side. What's interesting is that with the state of North Carolina, they do not have the funding necessarily to currently monitor the impact of neonicotinoids. So it's interesting that at the federal level, we have these task force that have been assembled. And how many are we up to? I think they uh, or how many years have they been at it with these task force? What is this, year three? I think this is the third. Yeah, the third, definitely the third year, because every June they seem to put out a memorandum about immediate action that just doesn't seem to take place. But in any event, what's interesting about this effort is the fact that the state is not equipped to monitor the impact. And secondly, the actual statistics appear to be off about the decline. And this is something that you and I have talked about for years. You talked. You mentioned, I think, about four years ago, the percentages, according to the beekeeping community that you're in touch with, which are you know the big players, that the honey production was tremendously off because there were so many massive bee kills. And with this particular effort, they refer to the Bee Informed Partnership which apparently conducts this national survey on pollinator decline and reported that beekeepers lost 44% of their bees during 2015. However, the emphasis is on the fact that these statistics may not be accurate due to the, the fact that it's a matter of the beekeepers self-reporting and also the cost for the beekeepers to have their bees tested for the pesticide exposure which is apparently $840, which is a lot of money for a beekeeper. Well, it's interesting. The Bee Informed Partnership focuses primarily on pathogens and viruses and uh, and the varroa mite, and they will uh, take samples from a beekeeper's bee yards, and they will do that for free and examine them for pesticides and pathogens. But unless the beekeeper brings up the subject, there won't be any testing done for chemical problems and then only at the beekeeper's expense. And as you say, it's very expensive. The the 40 plus percent, as, as eye-opening as that is, is probably off by half of what the real losses are because the losses occur during the course of the season, and, and the commercial beekeepers will split the stronger colonies and replace those losses. So it may appear that the numbers are declining at less than they actually are. This is a horrible disaster for the beekeeping industry, and that's they're just the indicator species. People are beginning to wake up to this, though, and they're beginning to recognize what the damages are that are being done. 
In the case of North Carolina, that's a good example because this tremendous environmental mess has been created, and now it's up to the taxpayers to come up with the money to do the cleanup. And well, I think even more so, Tom, with the EPA, the EPA basically dropped the ball on this whole thing. And as we've discussed previously, over the past couple of years, I think it's a good idea that the states do address this individually because I think that they will be able to push through the bans quicker. Well, we I have think to at the be- federal level, yeah, at the federal level, it just seems as though they have one year after the other with this announcement that they're going to have this task force and they're going to do this, that, the other thing, and nothing happens at the federal level. So maybe it is a good idea that at the state level, things are coming about. It's not only a good idea, it's essential because it's clear that there's going to be little or no action at the federal level. The EPA has had a part in the creation of this disaster through their failure to do their job, either because they're corrupted or because they're less than competent. And uh, they're not about to to publicize those failures. So it's to their advantage to try to cover this up and stretch it out and and keep people in the dark. Well, people are not going to stay in the dark much longer. And what's happening in North Carolina and many other places are an indication that the people have had about enough of this. And that's the case in Malibu. In the city of Malibu in California, they are really pushing forward this movement where everything is pesticide-free. And this came about because a wildcat was poisoned with a rodenticide. The environmentalists were informed as far as what happened, and everything kind of snowballed. So it's good that even though the state of California has such a long way to go, at least a city like Malibu can set an example and get the ball rolling because California has a long way to go before they take more aggressive action as far as the environment. There's too much money that industry makes off of California. That's the bottom line. I think Malibu is going to be a very interesting case to follow because unlike most of the other municipalities who've taken some affirmative action, It's been somewhat limited. They may have banned the neonicotinoids or may have banned them under certain circumstances or they may have banned the herbicides, but it's been partial, not complete. In the case of Malibu, as I read the story, they are going to get away from pesticides, herbicides, all these chemicals completely. So it will be real interesting to see how this story unfolds. They're they're on the leading edge. They're going to completely eliminate them. Once again, it'll be a great example for other cities to follow as well as to get the state of California to take more aggressive action when it comes to these chemicals. Now that brings us to what's going on in Vancouver. There was a massive beak hill in Ontario. However, Vancouver has stepped up to the plate, and they are going to be banning neonicotinoids. Yes, and and this is a case where they're going to ban the neonicotinoids. I'm not sure how they're going to address other chemicals. And as as damaging as they have been, the neonics are just part of the story. But uh, it's certainly a positive step for a 
a municipality the size of Vancouver to step up to the problem and and ban this family of chemicals completely. Well, when you take a look at what PIMRA did, and PIMRA is Canada's Pest Management Regulatory Agency, they basically copycatted or they basically mimicked what the EPA did in the United States. They approved the registration for certain pest, certain neonicotinoid pesticides without having acquired the scientific evidence necessary to evaluate their environmental risks as they pertain to pollinators. So kudos goes to all the organizations that really pushed for this ban. So you're talking about the David Suzuki Foundation, Friends of the Earth Canada, Ontario Nature, and the Wilderness Committee, and they are really pushing hard to have these chemicals banned. Yes, and these are some leading organizations. These are important organizations that have come to the conclusion that these neonicotinoids need to be removed from the market. People are outraged, and they should be. And and my hope would be that they become more outraged because they have been completely failed by those agencies that are supposed to protect them themselves, their loved ones, their children, from these kinds of chemical insults, and that has not been done. I think we need to begin to focus on the EPA management level because this is where the corruption lies. I think you're wasting your time. EPA is not going to do anything. How many years have we been talking about EPA, Tom? No, what I'm saying is we need to take some of these management people who've been making these decisions to the woodshed, metaphorically. But we've seen what they do. What they do is they go along, they see what's happening, and they don't say anything until after they can retire, write a book about it, and then make money while it's safe to collect their pension. That's what we've been seeing time and time again. There are not many people like Dr. Jonathan Lundgren and some of the other folks that have suffered financially because they they stepped up to the plate and talked about what they were finding. EPA Inter- is not about to do that. Interesting that you should bring up Dr. Lundgren because I just got a a study that he has published. I just got it this morning. And what they did was they examined buffer strips that had been placed around organic farms buffer strips to help preserve the pollinators and beneficial insects. And what they have found is that those buffer strips are contaminated with the neonicotinoids at damaging levels. Um, There are some important uh, conclusions to be drawn from that, one of which is that the uh, contamination of the environment is spreading far beyond the, the crops on which it's being used, and that's what many of us have been saying for quite some time. Well, Tom, this just proves that more and more people are starting to understand, and people in positions of power are starting to understand that this is a massive poisoning of the planet, but it's affecting key industries, and unfortunately, that's how it works in the world. If it affects an industry, then action is taken. It's kind of like the old mentality that in order to have a stop put in on a street, there need to be a number of mortalities. And it's, it's a shame, but that's that seems to be the case when it comes to 
these chemicals. Now, in Ontario, even though it's not by any means the type of bee kills that some of the beekeepers that we know have sustained, it's still a very big bee kill. In Gwillenberry, Ontario, there's a beekeeper who basically lost the equivalent of about 17 hives. And he's basically describing what so many other beekeepers have reported when their bees have been exposed to neonicotinoids. Yes, this this was 17 colonies, several million bees. You know, the numbers always get people's attention. And the loss of 17 colonies is tragic for a smaller beekeeper if it represents half of your population or three-quarters of your colonies. But in terms of the magnitude of the damage being done, it's really small if a commercial beekeeper may lose hundreds, if not thousands, to these very same things. And uh, the magnitude of the destruction is just astounding. It is, but the bottom line is, is that as more and more bee kills occur, it's in the news. People are talking about it. It's something that's not going away. Years ago, you and I talked about a bee kill incident in which there was a pesticide actually it was um jim doan when he lost his entire business he was the first reported commercial migratory beekeeper from new york that fell victim to neonicotinoid exposure i don't remember the exact figures but i think at his peak jim had five thousand colonies and i think he lost 4,000 of those, I mean, it just destroyed his business. And Jim has uh, resurrected his operation from the ashes several times now, but I think he's reaching the limits of his resourcefulness. Well, I don't think it's it's possible at this point for the big migratory beekeepers to go back to where they were without either getting some sort of financial support from, I don't know who, but um, look at what you're going through. So many beekeepers have lost pretty much their whole operation. And the ones that are in existence are basically doing things that they normally never had to do in order to just get by. This isn't to, be, this isn't to become profitable, but to just get by. Well, they're not even getting by, and many of the beekeepers that have been lost will go unnoted. They'll just fade away quietly. Some of us may know them. They have a circle of friends in the beekeeping industry, but on a national level, they just disappear. They're just gone. Well, Tom, let's hope that the progress that's been made recently will continue. That's all we can do is just hope that more and more people learn about the impact of neonicotinoids. And I know that even on social media, people from all over the world are discovering the work that we're doing as well as some of the efforts by some of the NGOs. So the word is getting out and people are starting to understand what is at stake here. And so on that note, to be continued next week. Well, you know, I said several years ago, speaking for the beekeeping industry, that we're a relatively small population and we have 
relatively little influence. The only power we have is the power of public opinion, and we're beginning to see the expression of that public opinion. People are tired of being duped and damaged. June, once again, I want to thank you for providing this venue and all the effort that goes into it. I know better than anybody just how much energy it takes to do this every week. And uh, I also want to thank the listeners who are tuning in because that's the public that will express the public opinion, and we depend upon them. Thank you, Tom. And folks, if you have any questions for us, please write to us at questions at theorganicview.com. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is The Organic View. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tune in next week as Tom and I continue the discussion. Have a great afternoon. <music>